Welcome to the latest Super Ink Arts podcast. Today, I'm your host, guest host, Carl. Today, we ha have with us uh, myself, uh, Danny. Hi. Smithy. Hi. Jack. Hello. Moo Skittles. Hello. Rebecca. Hi. All right. And today's uh, subject we're discussing is superior sequels. Which ones are better than the first? Uh, all right, Danny, uh, you're up first. Uh, what's your favorite superior sequel? Actually, it's a very hard one for me to decide because there's a lot of sequels that I do think are better than the first. But I'm just going to go with Spider-Man 2, just sort of like off the top of my head, personally. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, can, I can actually agree with that. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh yeah, I, like, I, I I'm just happy that it's their third one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I absolutely like. But regardless of how we feel about the third one, I feel like the second one is just—it's such a terrific blend of you know action, of humor, and drama. And Sam really, I think, just does such a terrific job blending all those elements together before kind of going a little overboard with the humor on the third one. Yeah, and. Mm -hmm. um, I think it also just tells a really good story. I think it t also does a really good job of making you feel. I just think the second one, it does such a great job of getting us to connect with Peter Parker as a character and sort yeah, of yeah. Him struggling with his responsibilities of being Spider-Man. I think he's great as Peter Parker, like, just not quite as great as Spider-Man. I think Andrew Garfield kind of has the edge there, but oh. Maguire's easily the better Peter Parker for me. Like, yeah. he's just, he gets right. down the sort of nevishy dweebish aspect of the character yeah. brilliantly. I also love Alf Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. I think he's a true villain. Uh, yeah. I think it's also because my opinion's a wee bit biased because I've always had kind of an interest in villains that sort of have tentacles. I do have a bias in favour of them. Like, I have sort of interest in villains that are sort of moved like that, you know. Yeah. I've actually found out a, a little kid's actually made his own uh, Doc Ock tentacles. Just, Just a bit of a fact there. It's actually made his own. They actually work. Wow. When you say they work... Well, yeah, well... They actually work. I actually work. <laughs> he controls them with his mind. I don't know how he does it, but they actually work. That seems <laughs> like I just, a... I just want to get to his spine. <laughs> I don't know. Just don't, just don't question, just don't question it. In real life. Just I saw, don't, I, I saw, don't, don't quote me on it, but I did see that on Facebook somewhere <laughs> that the kids actually built them. That's on the recording now. You've, we've quoted you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that. probably be careful around that kid because if he could end up really doing some significant damage to me if I come across him. <laughs> <laughs> as I was saying, I love Alfred Molina. I also love that hospital scene as well, you know, where his tentacles just murder all the doctors. It's just <laughs> terrific. Like, that, scene, so, that scene is horrific. It's scary. Like, it is yeah. actually pretty damn scary. I mean, I'm still amazed the movie managed to get away with the PG in the UK, like, because... Yeah. I'm surprised too, because the first one was rated 12. Oh, and there was a lot of yeah. controversy over that. Yeah, the second one gets away with the PG, and I'd argue it's even more violent. Train scene is still amazing. The train scene the, holds the train. Yeah. The train scene is absolutely amazing. Spider-Man Two is one of my favorite Spider-Man films. Yeah, and the hospital scene seems like it. It looks almost like it's been lifted exactly from the Ultimate Comics introduction of Dark Arcs. I don't know if anyone's read there. Yeah, I don't think so, but I'll have to give it a look. But 
even though I do like Into the Spider-Verse and I also like Homecoming, I still think Spider-Man is e- 2 is easily my favourite Spider-Man film. Fair choice. Fair yep. choice, though. Right, so I'm next, aren't I? Yeah, Smithy, what's your choice? Uh, I went for Halloween from 2018. It's because, obviously, there was a sequel to many sequels to the Halloween Halloween story. There was Halloween 3, which we can't talk about because it's not actually anything to do with Michael Myers. But Halloween from 2018, for me, I wouldn't say it's a superior sequel because, obviously, the original is just, you know, out there. But this one makes Michael more brutal. For me, a lot of people got angry because they did show his face, like a bit of his face in the beginning when you first see him. But I think that's what made him scary because it's supposed to, you're supposed to know he's a human, but somehow he just won't die. I won't say he's immortal because obviously this film got rid of a lot of lore that was in the sequels. Uh, It's only a sequel to the original film. None of the sequels matter. It got rid of the fact that Laurie is his sister, which I hated in the first place because it made it a bit stupid. And then there was, and they got rid of the fact that Michael was immortal, which he was only immortal because of the whole winning um, Curse of Thorn thing in Halloween 4, which was so annoying. It was, was yeah, it was a stupid idea, but... I think in this one, Michael is really brutal. He kills a 10-year-old, what looks like a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. In back of a car. He had balls to grab that kid by the neck and snap him. I'm just, Damn. <laughs> but later on in the film... I think where he kills like a mother and then he sort of walks past the wee baby and you're just thinking, yeah. oh, God, is he actually yeah. going to do it? And then I just think... I was actually um, really creeped out by that. that like, yes. and I'm just like... There is a lot of different things in that film. Uh, there is that, what's this, there's that little kid. Do you know that girl who's babysitting him? Uh, there's that little kid who's making jokes when he's legit, like, when she's getting attacked and screaming her head off, he's like, fuck this, and runs <laughs> off. It's like, it won't help. It won't help. He's just saying, oh, I'm just going to run off now. Goodbye. Uh, but... I just love Michael Myers. I think that it does actually come way off of the first original film because in the original it was a bit slow when it got into the kills. But this one, this one, it was worth it because of the fact that he's more brutal. He's pulling no punches. He's out to get blood and he's out to get revenge on Laurie. Because Laurie's the only one he never killed. And yeah, he killed five people in the original film. I think it was five, yeah. And one of my favourite kills in the whole film is where uh, this kid's in, like, in a back garden and um, Laurie's uh, granddaughter has just walked away from him after he tried to make out with her. And then Michael, he tries to... After he sees it's Michael, Michael's walking after him and he gets on top of his fence and Michael pushes him down onto the spikes on the fence and it goes through his uh, mouth. That was very graphic. And then there were a scene where Michael stabs this woman through the neck, and it was CGI, but that looks so good. And I just think that I just think that this film is really cool. The ending was really cool. Laurie does basically become the hero in this series. It, especially for me, it has to be a Strode who who survives because the Strode family are like the really strong people. They know what they're doing. They've been through a lot, so. I think the fact that Michael is like 
Because I hated the fact that what Rob Zombie did to Michael in his films, but I think this film does come off that very well, that Michael hasn't gone through trauma in the past. He's just killing because some reason he's evil out of nowhere. He's he's a a psychopath. Yes, he was... I yeah. always feel like that's what made Michael Myers so what? creepy. The fact yeah. that he basically, like, yeah. the idea that he basically killed his sister for no reason, yeah. other than just mm-hmm. because. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, Rob Zombie made it so that his dad, his dad, his mum, uh, his dad and his dad and sister like hated him and probably like abused him and all that. And then Rob Zombie and also his mum was a stripper, and they had a bad life. He got bullied at school, and that, and that's why he started killing. But in the original, it's just the fact that he kills his sister for no reason at all. That's what make him. That's what just makes him scary. And I find it funny how his mask is a William Shatner mask. What they just painted white and spray painted the hair and all. That's all it was. I like that. I, but yeah, Halloween 2018. I went to the cinema to see it, and it was definitely worth the money. Oh, I and I have you. heard that they are working on a sequel. They are, I've heard somewhere that they might be making 10 more films. Because that worked before. Slow down. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that from somewhere that they might be making 10 more films from this, but I don't know. Uh, Jamie I don't know. Lee Curtis might come back for one or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think Jamie Lee Curtis will probably come back for one because they were actually going to kill her in this film, but they chose not to. But I think that the next one is going to end up having her be killed up and then her daughter and her daughter's daughter will end up becoming stronger and knowing that they have to train and have to basically take on Michael like Laurie did. Up next, we got Jack. Yeah, so my one's a bit... It's going to be a bit controversial. It's a Return to Oz. I will acknowledge the original Wizard of Oz. It, it's a classic and will always be a classic and deserves to be. So I won't ever take that away from it. But to me, Return to Oz is just a big part of my childhood. I think that's something that got me into horror films as well. I think it's just a stronger film. It's, I think it's got a much more interesting story. And I think Dorothy's a much more interesting character in this film because she has to... Because it's not about her trying to get home. It's about her trying to save Oz. And she's trying to save her friends. You know, she's willingly putting herself in danger. Pretty much she's on a quest. And it's got more of a mystery to it as well. And this whole build-up to the main villain, like Nomkin, which we don't even see till the third act, you know, I think is one of the best payoffs I've ever seen for a villain. When he's revealed, and all that effect work they've done him, I mean, just some of the best special effects I've ever seen. You know, there's no CGI at all. It's all, it's all rotoscope, isn't it? And um, stop motion and makeup. Yes, I love the story. I mean, I, say I love Dorothy. I think she's a great character. I love them. Fruza Bulk, who, of course, went on to play Nancy in The Craft. Yeah, I love I love TikTok. I think he's one of the best <laughs> side characters I've ever seen. How long after the original was it? I think was it, it, was, quite, uh... it was. It was made in the 80s, so I think it was. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. I think it was 46 years since it. Yeah, so well. I thought this was the James Franco one from like five years ago or something. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, not in a million years. <laughs> it was directed by Walter Murch. Uh, that was his one and only film he ever directed, and uh, you're right. You're right, Jack. He did a Good job on that movie. I, I, it really had some scary scenes in it, especially with that headless woman. Oh my god! Oh god, she terrified me. And it's one of the films I kept rewatching as a child, but I had to make my mum shut my eyes. <laughs> and I thought the Willy Wonka movie was scary. Oh, <laughs> it's messed up, but it's, it really does feel like kids movies back in the day just loved scaring the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. 
kid films back in those days used to like have really scary scenes in just to take just to show the children hey get to bed or it's, it's time for school you sat in the middle of the cinema yeah. get to school <laughs> you <laughs> I'll have to watch that, though, because I've not seen it. I've only watched it actually once, I think. Of course, the idea of whether it's actually a sequel or not, I think it's actually a debate, because it's very different stylistically. I mean, it's not a musical for a start, is it? Yeah. It's not not as colourful. It doesn't copy the style of, you know, black and white and Kansas or Mm. Sepia Tone. Is it different actors? Oh, yeah, way different actors. Right. I feel like in more ways this is more of a sequel to the book, but this does have... A lot of references to the original film for us for example it still has the ruby slippers which are silver in the book and it has things like um, that had characters in oh no kansas who are played by the same actors in for characters in oz as well so you see the parallels which isn't something that the original film had but the books didn't so in a way it's like a sequel to both the book and the, the film but, but of course it is a standalone film you don't necessarily have to watch the first film but it's beneficial if you do through a bulk i mean i think she's a Fantastic Dorothy, and then okay, it was so weird watching her in the craft. Have you ever seen the craft? No, oh, yeah, she looks really gothic in that one. Yeah, I mean, she plays like a wicked, an evil witch in that film. Yeah, and she's absolutely terrifying in that film. In this film, she's <laughs> I said she's Dorothy and she's likable and young and innocent. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, Mombi, that's so why I think she's even more terrifying than the wicked witch of the West. Yeah, the Gnome King, I think, is a more interesting character because. He's like he's one of those villains that just loves being a villain. Loves because he doesn't want to just when Dorothy sort of stands up to him, she's not you know he could just destroy her at any moment, but he wants to play games with her. Mm. He plays games like Dorothy and her friends, like saying you know I'll give you a chance to win, and and it's a almost impossible game, but sort of Dorothy just plays him at his game and wins. And the way he just goes on about it just just um it just involves this really massive climax, which almost like it's like watching a film in hell. Like, it actually looks like <laughs> hell. Like, it's absolutely terrifying. I will admit that the actual res- resolution is a bit of a cop-out, though. It's, it's almost as anticlimactic as throwing a witch on a water. No, 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 sorry, water on a witch. Uh, did you want to add anything else, Jack? No, I was saying, yeah, definitely goes to see it. I mean, like I said, it may not necessarily be better than The Wizard of Oz, but it's, I say it's more interesting than The Wizard oh, okay. of Oz. Yeah, and, right, it's an underrated classic. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Moose Skittles is up next. Uh, what's your choice, Moose Skittles? All right. Uh, my choice, I think it's kind of similar to Danny's choice in a way. Um, it's from a incredibly popular trilogy of superheroes about a very popular superhero. And I'd say that the quality of the films, they kind of mirror each other in the, the ebbs and the flows. Uh, my choice is The Dark Knight. Ooh. Of course, the second in the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. And I think almost inarguably the best one in the whole trilogy. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It int- it- Especially with Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, yeah. It builds off of the, the Batman that's been established in Batman Begins, and it just... It's like, we know about this character now. Let's go into developing the world and the villains. And so yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker comes in. He's introduced. He's the first character that is on the screen. So immediately, it's about it's a film about him and not Batman. Batman's not the interesting one in this. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with that. And uh, and I think it takes the Joker and really runs with him, and it merges aspects of the Joker from the comics with char- other Batman villains like Anarchy and people like that. A lot of people reckon, probably rightly so, that the Dark Knight was snubbed at the Oscars, and in fact they actually changed 
the way the Oscars work and the way the votes are cast and the whole system was overhauled because of the Dark Knight, so I've heard. Yeah. So that that kind of situation doesn't happen again. Okay. Well, I, well I know. I, w- I know that th- this year's Oscars, they did a tribute thing for him. I just love how he throws a little bit of James Cagney into his voice and he's like, and I thought my jokes were bad. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Kevin Conroy, if you remember who voices Batman in the animated series, actually never liked the idea of the Batman voice that Christy Bale did. It's not mm-hmm. good, is it? Because Bale's Batman voice. Yeah, in Kevin Conroy's series, uh, they had two different people do the actual Batman voice. They had one person... They had Kevin um, Conroy actually. They had Kevin Conroy as uh, actual Batman. Then they had uh, someone do Bruce Ray- Wayne, if I remember. Oh wow! I don't know if that's a hundred percent true because the story I've heard is that Kevin Conroy did he did more clo- closer to his real voice for Batman. It was kind of but you know with a little more dark and brooding in it. And then the voice for Bruce Wayne more levity in it, and uh, it was more light. Because when I listen to the two voices. They don't sound at all. Yeah, that's what he was going for. So Bruce that you Wayne couldn't... one definitely doesn't sound like Kevin Conroy at all. So you would think it were a different actor. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's what's quite good about that performance. And I wish they'd really yeah. done something like that in the Nolan movies. But I mean, there's very yeah. little else to fault in the Nolan movies, especially this middle entry. Just all in all, it, it is a, a modern classic. I think oh, yeah. that, uh, I think that uh, they wasted two faces in that film. I think he worked quite well. I think there's only so far that character can go in a real world. For me, Two Face has to be a split personality person, because mm. obviously he's got. To, it's about him having two faces. Like one is an evil person, one is the lawyer. It has to have two personalities. It doesn't work if it's not. You mean like he was in the animated series? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like yeah. In, in the comics and the animated series, it was split personality. I don't know. I I don't think necessarily there's a way there was a way to do that in such a grounded and gritty universe as the nolan verse it's why we don't get anything about like superman it's why bane doesn't yeah. use venom so to speak it's more realistic it's yeah it's much more realistic and i don't think it wants to take that approach with what is a very serious mental condition in real life yeah and True. kind of you know yeah. a little bit silly in the comics regardless i still think he that Harvey Dent was still an interesting character. I mean, yeah. yes, because he was a very. Yeah. I, mean, I really liked him at the start of the film. And I like really his line. Yeah. I liked his line where what he said about Batman, about, you know, like, uh, long enough you see yourself become the villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they really put then, effort into establishing yeah. Harvey Dent before he's ever Two Face. Yeah. And I think that, that helps. It really does improve the payoff. That then definitely leads into the ending of the film. With Batman becoming uh, a fugitive at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that final showdown was so intense, wasn't it? Yeah, it was intense. I like. What, I just like what Gordon says to his son. Oh, when he has to lie to him, like it's going to be yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He's a silent protector, a dark knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Oldman is knocked it out of the park as Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, he definitely did. He's always good, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So are we ready to move on to the next? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Rebecca, you're next. What is your choice for a superior sequel? Uh, so I ch- I've chosen um, X Men Two. I think it had an original title of X Two, something yeah. like that. But a, a kind of similar reason, really, to, to the why you chose the Dark Knight because of 
the first one kind of set the world and, and introduced the characters. Um, I guess like everyone's saying, wouldn't necessarily say this one is much better, but it sort of uh, further enriched the characters from the yeah. first film and, and gave a kind of variation on the powers of, of the mutants and kind of introduced some more characters. And um, so it just kind of built on it. Um, but I like that it still had the same feel as the first, um, probably because it was directed by Brian Singer again, which yeah. is the third one wasn't, I don't think, was it? I don't, does anyone no, know? It wasn't. I don't the third one was done by Brett Radner, director Brett, of uh, the Rush Hour trilogy. Bloody hell. Now with hindsight, that's really unsettling. Like one very alleged sex offender replaced by an actual outed sex offender. <laughs> wow. Oh. wow. I don't know if we want to keep that in or not. That's, that's a bit a, political. That's a nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is very political there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, morals. We're family-friendly yeah. co- we're, we're family content. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do a different podcast for that, an adult one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so it was, it was just the fact that kind of more things happen with it and you get to see a bit more of Wolverine's past and um, yeah. kind of sets up for all the, those sort of films which are like I love as well um, especially I Logan I thought someone was going to pick Logan because I yeah I so I think that was that, was that Blake I think yeah, Blake, that, Blake. Uh, that, that was oh. Blake okay so yeah um, just the I also really like the relationship between uh, Magneto and Charles Xavier because they yes. just you kind yeah. of find out that you know they know you know that they've grown up together and yeah. Not everything's revealed about the relationship, which again that doesn't come out until or well, they kind of made that up in the newer X Men films. Um uh, yeah. But they're not that uh, good. <laughs> I I just I have a soft spot for these the originals really. <laughs> so mm. yeah. yeah. I like X Men two and I like X Men one X Men three. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay, but um yeah, it's not not, it's not that good. Had good ideas, just wasn't executed well. Is yeah. this, if I'm right, the second one is with where Jean Grey gets hit by that river. Yes, and you think yes. she's dead. That was like yeah, you think she's dead, but when you look at the river, it does show that she's actually alive. I'm a bit close to spoiler territory here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Next three, by the well, way. You know, I you know I don't hold back. I don't care. We need to put <laughs> you might need to hold back a little bit in the future. <laughs> I will try. I just can't help it. I'm used to I'm used to spoiling films. <laughs> yeah, something I loved about this film. I loved them that we had Magneto and Mystique working with the X Men because yeah. they yeah. were like guys in the first film. And then yeah, the X Men. Yeah, that actually happened a lot in the animated series. So but, I like seeing in real like real life as well. It was kind of yeah. But to Even me, though this... he's kind of got Magneto still got a hidden agenda, but yeah, kind of go along with it. And he's uh... always got an agenda going on. <laughs> What's he bloody like? You know, some of the first super films I see to super villain work with the hero. He's very predictable. They always keep tra- they always put him in a cell that's made of plastic, but he always <laughs> finds a way to bloody and put get metal in there. Yeah, that was that one scene was really cool where he extracted the metallic elements yeah. from some yeah. guy's blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Mystique could put it in him. She put like little powdery metal in his drink. It was uh, that was the drink, and then she then she injects him with um, basically. I think it's like he's got more iron in his blood, so yeah. Magneto to control him. And he draws it out. Yeah, that's a really good scene. Yeah, I like that. Ian McKellen is my favorite uh, Magneto. I like Michael Fassbender some, but, you know, Ian McKellen is my favorite. Yeah, he's 
my favorite. Yeah, it's such an iconic. Duo. I would like to if if they ever continued this series. Um, I think that I would have liked them to do another X Men like thing where uh, the old generation actually were he- like not head to head, but like actually interacting with each other with the old one, like new generation with old generation. Like, actually interacting, but obviously you can't do that with Wolverine. Like Days of Future Past or something. Yeah, yeah you can't do that with Wolverine, though, because obviously Wolverine is always going to be Hugh Jackman. No one else can replace him. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone should try to. They are try it. The only person I think would be good for Wolverine is definitely Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, he'd be a good one. As long as they go shorter, really. You've got to go, you've got to go comic accurate to differentiate yourself. People say that person who play Harry Potter might be a good one. But Danny Radcliffe. Yeah. He's got the height, certainly, but what? but not not anything else. He actually made a joke in I, an interview or something that someone put, "Are you going to be playing the next Wolverine?" He said he just made a joke about like yeah and all that. I don't know. He put three ones between his fingers and went, "Oh, Bob." <laughs> but who's so, next? Uh, that would be me. Hi, this is Carl. My choice for a superior sequel. Uh, I'm going to go the animated route and pick uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2. I just thought it was vastly, not vastly, yeah, I'll say I think it's vastly superior to the first one, both in in terms of story and the quality of the animation, uh, that the animation quality had improved uh, because it was done about five, four or five years later after the first one, which was done in 2010. And the, the or was it? sometime like that and i think it was four years later they directed the uh the sequel how to train your dragon 2 and you could just see more fluid computer animation and more uh textures to the uh outfits the characters were wearing skin texture was improved and just Mm -hmm. everything the everything about the sequel is improved and i really embrace the story and i love the story of the first one it sets everything up and the second one just uh, turns up the notch a bit more. Um, and there's things that happen in the story I don't want to spoil for those who yeah. haven't seen it yet. But I'll just say there's a scene with uh, Hiccup's father yeah. uh, to look out for. Um, that's oh, yeah. a very, very dramatic yeah. scene, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I know I what scene you it. I know I what scene you know. I, I, I like the second one. Yeah, I, I think I've not actually seen any of the other ones after the sequel. After this. oh yeah, the third one's out in theaters right now. I know BBC in the in UK did a whole like animated series on it. Oh yeah, yeah. BBC did um like their own little animated series like TV show with it. I think it was just to do like little stories before the movies came out. Yeah, like, oh, like, I didn't know that was the BBC. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was made by BBC, but now I think it's on Netflix as well. Okay. So I've, I've seen it because I know BBC used to do it all the time. Yeah. But, but they were like they were just like little short stories. Like I think it was just to show what happens between movies. Because I know Hiccup yeah. Hiccup looks older in all the films because he's grown up a bit, obviously. So they yeah, have to. Like that, so they, they? Yeah. So they yeah. So. Yeah, they make yeah. him look a bit older with each as each film progresses, and yeah. in the third one they give him a beard, so he's yeah, more vi- he's more Viking. I've, seen, I've, I've actually <laughs> seen a joke about that as well. Someone did a joke about it with Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> they always get dark in the third one, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Oh, and what I also love about the second one is I think it has really great voice acting. I think they yeah. have, and I, I like the fact that Craig Ferguson came back. He was my, he's my favorite late night TV host of all time. And it's not just because I have some Scottish heritage, but I, uh, I just love the sense of humor that Craig Ferguson brings with his character. Like he's always talking about bringing extra undies. <laughs> <laughs> And I really loved Kate Blanchett's role in the second one, and I hope she came back for the third one. I don't know, but um, I'm pretty sure she did because they introduced her and as Hiccup's she, mom. Wait. Oh yeah, I think she is. Mm. I've seen. I think I have seen her in trailer for the new one. Okay, great. That's that's good news because I loved her role in the second one, and it's just a it's a movie that both uh, kids and adults can appreciate there's enough yeah. of a complex story that will interest adults and it and and it's and the story also shows real life consequences you know you deal with uh i mean in the first one i mean everybody's seen the first one so i will include yeah. a spoiler for that yeah, one yeah. Uh, hiccup loses one of his part of his leg at the end mm. of the first one there's it, it shows real life consequences that the characters have to deal with it's not like it's not like uh, a move like a Disney movie where everything's rainbows and sunshine. No, there's actual <laughs> there's actual consequences to actions in these movies, and yeah. that's what I like about them. They're more they're more gritty and real, and they show they show kids they teach kids real lessons in life. Yeah. You know, don't fall off a dragon. What company <laughs> made it now? Right. Uh, DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Yeah. DreamWorks. DreamWorks like to make their films more realistic and yeah. like te like teachable movies. But then you have Disney. Like, wait, we're a kids channel. Let's make a movie about princesses and how they fight bad guys. Mm -hmm. It's kind of generalizing, but then you have and then you have a kid about <laughs> yeah yes. But then you have then you have a kid uh, having a leg get chopped off, but. <laughs> It's mm. just the fact that they're teachable moments, and it does teach you things. Cause like every, I think a lot of films now, like a lot of films do teach you stuff. Yeah. Like all, all all films have moments where they do teach you things. Yeah, and then somewhere out out of the blue, Keenan Ivory Wayans shows up and shouts, "Message!" Uh, that's my little reference to uh, what was that movie? Don't, Don't be, be a menace, menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, um, yeah. Reminds me of that movie, Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> that one was great. No. <laughs> All right, uh, you ready so to take bad. us home, Carl? <laughs> yeah, okay. let's, yeah. All right. Well, I think everybody's gone, right? So, um, yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Super Ink Arts podcast. Look forward to uh, seeing you in the next episode. Is there anything anybody would like? Like, do you have websites you would like? Yeah, to it might uh, be quicker to just link that in the description. We might have yeah, oh, okay. okay, for that. Okay. Just, just all right. Well, you can see all of our stuff in the description. All right. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you on our next one. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody.